Do you struggle with putting yourself first? Are you tired of feeling burnt out and overwhelmed from constantly putting the needs of others before your own? I have created a sacred space that will be available once a week for 10 weeks to learn, dive deep, and create your boundaries to boost your confidence and self-worthiness. Go to www.krista-luna.com and sign up for the Master Your Boundaries course starting in September 2023. And use the code PARANORMAL to get 30% off today on www.krista-luna.com. Check it out, y'all. We got what you need. We're all living in apartments, condos, vans. Well, dude, even you can have a studio. A studio in a box. Yes, we can help you with that right here at Blind Knowledge. We work on your budget, and we figure out your measurements. We'll get you the best sound for the best price. Let me know, 877-237-1143 or at blindknowledge.com. Yep. Welcome to another episode of Paranormal, the new normal. I'm your host as always, Jeremy, trying to bring a little normalcy to this world. Does it ever happen? Yeah, no, it never happens. But we try and that's the point. But who we can, we love the weird. And of course, I brought a guest as always to help me embrace the weirdness of this world. And my guest today is Madam Z of Madame Z's School of Witchery, the newest Hogwarts that's in reality for this time. So, uh, first things first, how you doing tonight, Madame Z? I'm good, doing great. Doing good. Uh, every time I say that name, I feel like I'm, sta- I'm singing a sick song. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's funny. But, uh, well, the first question I ask everybody on this show is, what got you in to this paranormal spiritual world that you found yourself in? Well, it was an interesting past for people who don't know me. Um, my, my name is Madam Z, and I'm a spiritualist, and also I teach people how to empower themselves through witchcraft and also through divination and paranormal studies. So being that, I've been doing this witching thing way before the internet, way before witching was even the cool thing to do right now, right? So divination and working on your spiritual gifts or your connection with what we call the other side or when the thinning thinning of the veil is there, um, when you start leveling up in your high priestess energy, your high priestess, we have different levels, you have to pick a divination tool. So my divination tool was always tarot, and then I do mediumship with tarot, and then it just, just, you know, snowballed into paranormal investigations with tarot, with Ouija boards, with spirit communication. So I started off as just doing mediumship with tarot, 
And then when I was going to all these paranormal events and these paranormal investigations, I was getting so many hits through my tarot cards and through my mediumship and automatic writing that I was, I was already in tune anyways as a witch, as a spiritualist. Um, so it was just automatically natural to me to connect to the other side, just in a different way than what you see, like, you know, other people do with their electronics and everything like that. I do it really through mediumship and through tarot. So it was just a normal progression for me since I was already living in that spiritual world. Nice. So you basically, you're born into it, which a lot of my guests are like that. They're born into it and it's just something they embrace, thankfully. Correct. Now, I'm guessing that you were like a lot of my guests and at a younger age, you were discouraged from doing these type of activities? No, it was interesting because I was raised a, a Christian and I left that Christian um, faith and to find my own empowerment, my own thing. And my I come from a very semi-open family, I would think. So I didn't have any of that, no, you can't do that kind of thing. Um, they always said that I was a strange child. My mother always said that. So, um, but the more I talk to my mother when I get older and she tells stories about how my grandmother was and how she was, she, my mother's, you know, very much going to church still, very much a Christian, but she has, both of them have the gift of being um, a witch in different aspects. Um, more of like a kitchen witch, more of a garden witch, and more of like a green witch is what I would call my mother and my grandmother. And really worked by the cycles of the moon, even though they would never call themselves a witch and they don't connect that way. But for some reason, it, it has went down the line through my, my mother, my grandmother, and to me and to my sister. So we all have some kind of ability. Um whether we embrace it or not. But no, I was always from a family who was like, okay, I don't understand it, but I'm not going to discourage you from doing that. But um, I was in the corporate world for a long time and I was a pagan and a witch and I was in corporate American higher education in the South at the time. And this was no way, shape or form could you ever come out as a witch in public because you would be ostracized. You would be the baby killer, the sacrifice kind of, you know, you worship the devil kind of thing. So I still live my life very much in the broom closet um, until I left corporate America, because when I was witching, it was not open like it was now. We had, it was, what I always say is from nine to five, I had my corporate suit on. And then from, you know, Friday until Sunday, I had my ritual garbs on and it was just a big cycle. <laughs> so it was very hidden. So yeah, people now are very lucky that they are able to what I call witch out loud and be really um, who they are and who they embrace themselves to be out loud. A lot of us didn't, you know, we talk about weird stuff, you know, and a lot of us weirdos were always ostracized as weirdos. It wasn't embraced as it is now. Exactly. I mean, yeah. And that's, I'm surprised because a lot of people I find in their upbringings in the 80s, 90s, what have you, were mm -hmm. during the whole satanic panic phase. I know, I was going to say satanic panic. Like, it, it's just like a lot of them were discouraged from, like, they had abilities and they were just, like, shut down the whole time. And it just, so I, I'm actually happy to get a different answer for once because it's, it's a nice change. I mean. It is. 
it was it, it wasn't really talked about openly. It's not like I could cast a circle in my middle of the living room while I was watching Archie Bunker. If anybody knows who Archie Bunker was or whatever. Oh, we worship <laughs> we, we worship the god Archie Bunker on this show. So yes. <laughs> yeah, but you know, my parents were just like, okay, if you want to do it, kind of thing. Um, but the the older I get. And the more I talk to my parents about stuff that they really just kind of let me explore things. And that was the way I was raised, whether it was a different religion, whether it was a um, different kind of culture, different kind of people, food and all that kind of stuff. So they really did encourage me to try different things. Good. I mean, that's that's great to hear for once. And I'm happy about that. Yeah, I'm, I, was so, fortunate. I was fortunate. Yes, I would say so. So, and just because a, a couple of things you said, I never really like, I mean, I kind of heard of it, but I never really got a definition for it. What is a kitchen witch besides, what, what some, <laughs> besides, besides what some people may call their wives? I don't know. But. Yeah. Well, a kitchen witch is where they do magic in the kitchen through um, herbs that they probably grow and cut, or they um, make something homemade for you. Um, it's just like when you're feeling sick, your grandma always says, let me make you some chicken soup. That's her way of healing you through cooking, right? And um, so I was from the old South. I was from Tennessee and um, Georgia, Alabama. So all my um, people who are watching will, will understand this. And this is another part of kitchen witchery. Is when I lived in the South, they were always talking about root workers. Like she's going to put a root on you. And I was like, what the heck is she talking about? And they always told me, don't eat that, you know, don't eat her spaghetti. <laughs> because when you want to like incorporate magic into your, your lifestyle and not have anybody know what you're doing, the easiest way to do that is through kitchen witchery. And it also has to do with what kind of herbs, what kind of herbal magic you're working with, how you stir your pot and really the energy that you put into it while you're creating that recipe. So it's healing the soul through kitchen witchery. All right, that makes sense. And I'm assuming that garden witchery just kind of ties into that completely anyway. I mean, because it, it's, I mean, yeah, I can almost say my mom was a kitchen witch then in a way. But. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but. exactly. I think all women are, you know, have some tendency to be a little bit witchy whether they resonate with it, with, you know, something else. So yeah, all of us, I think, have a tendency to do some kind of magic in our house. Well, there you go. Mm -hmm. and, okay, the second question I ask everybody, and if the answer is no, it's always okay. But the second question I ask everybody is, have you had any encounters with any paranormal beings, whether they be of the spirit nature or of the extraterrestrial nature or of the cryptid nature even, which is rare, but we love to get those. <laughs> All of them. Um, I've had a lot of, of spiritual encounters, but I've also had a lot of <sighs> elemental encounters is what you would call them. Um, I'm an earth person, so I am a Taurus, so I'm earth magic, so I resonate very much with any of the earth elements. Not so much a water magic, so I or element, so I don't resonate with mermaids and dolphins and sirens <laughs> and stuff. I'm not a water person. I'm more earth. So whenever there is a gnome around or the fairies around or anything like that, they always find me. 
And I always am really connected to trees. So there are tree elements also. But paranormal stuff is we have experienced a lot of spirits and ghosts that have been on the other side that come through. But it's funny because when I'm glad you asked about this and I'm just rambling. Sorry, because I just love this stuff. Um, when I do paranormal investigations, and everybody should probably do this, and understand that some of the spirits that come through may not be a physical spirit. It may be something that is attached to the land, right, an elemental. So you need to ask questions. You need to ask, are you an elemental? Where are you from? You know, where do you come from? What realm do you come from? Um and that's going to give you some more guidance into what is actually happening and it'll help you make more sense and put the pieces of the puzzle together to what is happening around you in that paranormal kind of event. Does that make sense? That was kind of a scenic route. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it makes, it, it makes a hundred percent. It makes a hundred percent like sense. Like it does. It is just, I mean, of course, like, like my wife is from a house that's built on a native American burial ground. Okay. So there's a lot of energy tied to the land there. It's not the house, it's the land. And they they tor they torment the people in the house, but they, they're they from the land. I mean, but so yeah, it's just, I, I get that 100%. Like, it's just when you walk onto a piece of land and you feel like that energy, it's just like, even if you don't have the ability of any kind, like, and I was going to say, my parents always said I was a weird child too, even though I had no abilities. But um, yeah, I mean, you just, you walk into this land and it's just, you feel something negative and it's just not pleasant and you want to leave that land as soon as possible. That's where I spent every other weekend for a good three years. So yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that with, with that, we talked about, you know, as we're talking about this a little bit more, um, person who is like a mediumship or medium connects with, with spirits, elementals, angels. If you have a spirit guide, if you have, Akashic records, you can tap into um, other realms, right? And galactic beings is another thing that you can connect to also, which I find fascinating. I think it's called CE5. I forget that guy's name. Um, but there's just so much out there that you can connect with that's not even on this spiritual plane. We're talking about other realms, completely other realms. Yeah, yeah, other realms, other dimensions, whatever you want, whatever you want to call it. At the end of the day, but but since you're an Earth magic user, I have mm -hmm. to ask. Yeah, have you ever connected with a Bigfoot or Sasquatch in any way? No, and I want to. And I just moved here from Austin. I'm in Missouri, and I have I didn't have any idea that Missouri is known for Bigfoot at oh, all. Yeah. And I was like. What the hell? What's going on? Okay, I gotta get with some Bigfoot folks. But it's what's interesting is I when I was younger, I was raised in Wyoming in the Tetons and stuff, and they have tons of sightings out there of Bigfoot. And my um, brother, I think, has a big um, it, probably a story about that because we always been hunting and always were in the woods and stuff, so um, camps. Um, but. I really would love to connect with some of the groups here that really want to do like Bigfoot kind of um, paranormal stuff. And it's, 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 
interesting because we talk about this weird stuff, right? And one of the things that are going that's going around one of the thought processes is is Bigfoot an alien? Have you heard about that? Yes, I. <laughs> th- th- there is actually I actually have a theory about Earth in general, and oh. part of that part of that theory is that Bigfoot is a extraterrestrial prisoner like us humans. All my listeners know what I'm talking about because I've spouted this whole theory before. If you want to hear it, uh, go back to the episode that Be Afraid of the Dark podcast was on. I, I know that's one episode. I definitely went into full detail on it. And it's an interesting theory, but I don't want to waste 20 minutes here talking about it. But. It's an interesting theory. Even, you know, because even if you don't believe in any of this stuff we believe in because, you know, we're kind of out there. It's just interesting to actually have a conversation and just like, what if, what if, what if it exists? And you go down that whole rabbit hole, right? Of what ifs. And yeah, exactly. I mean, that's all. That's all the paranormal is—is is wormholes. Yeah, exactly. You can spend hours and hours just talking about, and then getting off track, right? You're like, "What was the original subject we were talking about?" So oh, yeah, been there, been there. <laughs> I know. Yeah, the wormhole. But yeah, I would love to actually go on at least talk about. It. I think that. I believe there's a pretty good Bigfoot convention here in Missouri. Probably. I mean, I can't th- I can't think of the name of it right now, but I'm pretty sure Missouri has a famous Bigfoot case. I think they do. I can't I oh I almost want to say um I I can't even think of it right now. My God, I I, I feel shamed. But <laughs> I I feel like Missouri has one. I can't think of the name of it, but um yeah. And yeah, basically, I mean, any state that has woods has had Bigfoot sightings in some form, like at least at some point in their history. So, because they they are a migrating creature, we believe. So they they move around, and just like other animals, when the young ones get old enough to leave the family, they just go on their own to try to find their own family. So, I know what we have a handyman here, and he comes in and helps us stuff, and we were. Um, standing in the street outside talking about weird stuff and talking about Bigfoot. How, we were just talking about, hey, you guys any Bigfoot or are there some Bigfoot around? He said, oh, yeah, I ran into one. So he told me a whole story about how he was driving down the road and just saw this thing and it, it freaked him out. And, I mean, he's just a very simple dude, very simple guy. And, um, and he's been here for a long time. He's very, you know, salt of the earth, down to earth. So it was just very interesting that he had that experience. Of course. And I'm, and okay. Now I feel even more like a fool because Momo is from Missouri. Momo. Yeah, Momo. Mm-hmm. And Momo is the famous book, Bigfoot case I couldn't think of the name of. <laughs> like the Missouri monster, Momo. Like it's just, oh, I, oh my God, I feel so ashamed of myself right now. I should just go. Hang up my pod, my paranormal podcast <laughs> for a long just turn time. Turn in your badge. Just turn in your badge. So. I feel that way. Honestly, I do. But I mean, yeah, Momo, how the fuck did I forget Momo? Oh my god. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Momo. I know your I know your descendants are still out there somewhere. I'm sorry if you hear this. I'm sorry. But all right. Well, let's talk about this school you opened. Yeah. Because what made you want to start a Actually, oh, wait, 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 before I get into that, I almost forgot. Yeah. You brought up gnomes. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. 
I and love gnomes, and gnomes are like the thing now for some reason, but it's not. I was listening today to a podcast episode of Mythological Monsters, and they were talking about this creature. They're I'm 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 in the month where they're doing Iceland, and they're talking about they're talking about they're talking about they're talking about fairies and gnomes in one episode, and I was like. I mean, I can believe that gnomes, there are, I can believe there are real gnomes out there, not the fake ones that everybody puts in their garden, but like real gnomes actually. But to come across like a gnome colony or village or whatever the hell they like to be called, like I just, I can't imagine that. Like to actually have like a full gnome. Like, so you've actually, you've actually seen these creatures? Yeah, mine are the ones that are associated with me and are tuned to me. They're, they're tiny, they're not small. Um, although they have different ones. Um, and then I have house brownies also. And house brownies, they irritate me. So if, you know, if something is missing in your house, for me, it's always brownies, house brownies. But, um, yeah, gnomes, they're, for me, they're small. And um, they just kind of go in and out of this area. That's why I have a garden out there and I have mushrooms out there also for them. Um, to hide in. I'm looking for a door. They're very specific on what kind of door I need to get them. I'm like, man, I can't be walking around town asking everybody what is the damn you know, gnome house that door because they're just going to think I'm crazy. But it, they told me exactly what they want so I have to find it. Um, and I have a guardian tree that looks over the entire, my house for sure is planted on my house. But it's the biggest tree on the street. So that's where they usually hang out, between the garden and between that tree or in that tree. So I'm looking for that. And they will um, run up and down. We have a, like a little path right here. And I'll see them every time, every now and then. And um, But they're very active for me at night in the garden, right before dusk in the garden. They like to play around. Interesting. So. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I do they do they speak or they just run around? They just run around. I'm not in tune with their frequency to hear them speak. Um, as far as having conversations with them, unless they do um, telepathically, maybe they do. Because I mean, how, how else would I know that they wanted a door, right? They didn't tell me. So. I don't know. It's not the same language. It's not like they have a, a sit down and have a conversation with you kind of thing. They're very fast for me. Well, so. yeah. I mean, I I imagine they'd have to be. I mean, I mean, everything I know about gnomes is from hearing legends or you know, Romeo and Juliet. But um, so I mean, it's it's interesting. I never. That's one topic that we never hit on this podcast in 100, 150 episodes. We haven't hit on gnomes, and that's awesome. I love that we finally did. So but, here's, I'm gonna, if you can remember, I'm gonna, I'm probably not gonna remember this, but I think it was an old Stephen King movie with. Um, Curiosity peaked. I know. Oh, with the E.T. girl in it. She, I think she was in it. And it was like a series of different movies, different short stories. Oh, Cat's, Cat's, Cat's Eye. Cat's Eye. So do you remember when she, she was a kid, a little girl, and that little creature would come out the, the bed, the room? Yes. 
that I read I read that I read that short story too. Yeah, that's kind of how for me how gnomes are. They just they're tiny like that for me. So that kind of reminded me of that story for some reason. I don't know why. But yeah, I would rather have a gnome than a fairy. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into fairies in a second for sure, yeah. but no. <laughs> no, okay, we can avoid them. But um, no, the one thing that makes me think of gnomes always is there was this there was this episode of Monsters and Mysteries in America that th- this one that one th- one of the th- three monsters in this episode was a gnome, and like they had like this laugh that they recorded that the gnome would do. Like, and of course it's a human doing it, but still, it's just like, like the laugh, every time I heard it, I would just be like, oh my God, that's terrifying and hilarious at the same time. <laughs> like, it's just, it was like a, <laughs> like type thing. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, oh my God. Like, it's just hilarious. Yeah, but, it can be kind of scary. I'm, I'm sure. I mean, anything that I can't see because it's too small, like a mouse, like, I don't want to deal with it. Like, I'd rather deal with like, a, give me a bear over a freaking like, yeah, a spider that can kill me that small I can't see. Like, give me a bear. At least I know it's coming then. But exactly. you can hear it and see it and smell it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, mess with all right. So you don't want to talk about fairies? We could skip those. <laughs> yeah, fairies. Are, I mean, I'm. I just don't resonate with fairies, and there's a misconception about fairies, and I don't mess with them. They terrify me, just like angels. I don't mess with angels because angels terrify me which is very odd. Um, I think I'm the only person, probably I feel like I'm the only person who doesn't like angels and don't resonate with angels. Um, but people don't understand that fairies will mess you up. Yeah, I, I can imagine. <laughs> they have different rules. They get pissed off very easily. They're very picky. And they are not this whole Tinkerbell thing that everybody thinks they are. No, they're not. They're not. I... Uh, I read this book series a long time ago, like 15 years ago, and it, like the main the main guy in it was the Storm King, and he basically like controlled like a realm of fairies, and this was like Fifty Shades of Grey meets fairies, and it was like oh, whoa, yeah. oh yeah, <laughs> they so. have you know um, courts, and they have kings and queens, and they have hierarchies and it's a whole system and it is it is yeah and they have no rules your rules here in this you know earthly realm does not pertain to them so it's like no holds bars and it's just insane once you piss one off they kind of screw with you and your life is kind of in shambles that's why everybody you know talks about giving um gifts to the fairies all the time right to make them like nice and not mess with you and not you know so that is why because you try to try to be nice to them and give them gifts so they don't you know try to kill you in your sleep so exactly i mean it makes sense but all right i think we can now go into your um realistic hogwarts type of school yeah. and find <laughs> Which I that that might be part of the episode, episode title. I'm just calling it now, but <laughs> I'll figure out what to word it nicely, word it um, comedically at least in some way. But uh, but I'm actually interested in this because I I know a bunch of witches and Wicca, Wicca and all that stuff. Like I know people who are into that. I've had a witch slash Wiccan on here before, but 
I'm kind of interested in the school you do. Like, what do you actually teach at this school? I have a lot of different subjects that I teach. Um, I'm always creating stuff. So I have a course in there on tarot, psychic abilities, divination. And I have my number one courses, um, basic witch to badass witch, basic chick to badass witch. So it's just basic um, coursework on witchcraft, like phases of the moon, how to cast a circle. Do you even need to cast a circle? How to set up your altar? How to work with ancestors? Um, so it's everything from basic witchcraft and also to um, drilling down to different types of gifts that you have. Um, it also does include, I have a psychic uh, paranormal investigator certification course. So huh. that is one of my number one sellers too. So um, I have how to use pendulums in there, spirit communication, mediumship. So it covers everything. Um, it's got goddess energies in there. And um, it takes you really from a brand new or newbie witch who's just starting out in their path and they want the foundational work done to someone who's been finished with that and wants to really just go into a deeper level of magic and empowerment, which is like high priestess kind of stuff, high rituals and working with lesser known tools um, and lesser known type of um, ways of doing magic. So oh, that's, that's a lot. A lot to cover there. <laughs> it's a whole school. <laughs> it is. And thank you, Wabell. I'm glad you're enjoying this. Yeah. But let me, uh, well, okay, where to start? Um, so, one, how did you come across the idea of start a school? Like, was it, told, well, was, it told, was it told to you or did you just come up with it on your own? Or? It was what we call a divine download. So, um, like I talked about, I was connected to the other plane, right? The spiritual plane. So a lot, and I'm connected to goddesses. So a lot of my things and ideas and course creations and stuff will come from the divine, will come from, you know, the ether, the spiritual world. Um, especially when I'm in meditation or I'm doing rituals, it will come to me <clears throat> to create that. Kind of a high power. Uh, all right. And so if someone wants to come to your school, is there like kind of like an entrance exam almost like where they have to or or do you try or do you try to figure out like what they're because I mean, from what I know about witchcraft, there's the four main like fields, earth, air, fire, water, like those are the main four fields. And I, I mean, if, if you consider spirit like a fifth one, I know some, some people do, but kind of like, I mean. I also know. I also got. I also know more about this because of Vampire Academy books than anything. But yeah, so yeah you have elements: earth, air, fire, water. Something people call spirit, also. Um, but my teaching is pretty much the courses that I have in there is self-study. So, and then I teach one-on-one students also. Um, I teach very differently because when I started. The only path that was available to me at the time was Wicca. So I was very much <clears throat> initiated into Wiccan High Priestess. <clears throat> but I found Wicca to be too many rules. So I left Wicca and now I'm more eclectic. And that's how I teach. I teach 
I don't have a rule of three. <clears throat> Some people do. <clears throat> to me, there are no rules of witchcraft, but that's my personal thing. And also, whatever resonates with you is your magic. So I teach my students also to create what I call their special magical sauce, right? Because how I do my magic and who I resonate with and my guides and goddesses are completely different and ancestors completely different from my student and who they connect with. So my magic is not gonna work for them. So I teach them how to create their own magic through the foundations and then just start branching out and start using your intuition and what's right and what feels right for you and not what's been taught to you. Which makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, use what you already naturally have rather than trying to force something else on yourself that, I mean, we try to force anything on yourself to in order to do it. Well, if it's not natural, it's not going to feel right and it's not going to work in the long run. I mean, Correct. maybe some results, but it's not going to be. It's like trying to, it's like applying for a job you know nothing about and that you can't learn. And then you wonder why you get fired a week later. Like no. it's, it's just. Well, your magic doesn't work, right? Because you're not working with yourself. You're not working with your higher power. But um, so that's what's different than how I teach than probably what anybody else teaches is because I really don't have any rules that you have to follow. You just have to be accountable for your own magic. And I don't believe magic is good or evil either. And <clears throat> it's all about your intentions. So if you want to do a hexing or if you want to do a binding spell, just know there's other spells that you can do um, that are just as effective. And you have to really think about do you want this kind of karma that you're creating and is it really worth that kind of energy? Because here's the thing with that hexing takes a lot of time, a lot of energy and a lot of, sometimes you have to get some supplies, right? So you have to really think about, is this person worth hexing or binding or burying or whatever, or is there another spell that you can do? So you, it's really, I teach them to be really mindful of their magic. And sometimes it's just better to just put them in the freezer and just be done with it. Right. Exactly. I, I agree. Mm -hmm. So I've had someone else talk about this in the show, but I want to kind of get your perspective on it. Yeah. Where do you stand on the whole witch versus Wicca battle? It's hard to, to say because I kind of just don't believe in why there has to be either or kind of thing. Why can't you just be who you want to be? If you want to be a witch, then be a witch. Want to be a witch, be why does it matter? Right? But I feel with Wicca, you have more rules than if you are just a witch. So if you're all about rules and everything, just stay with it, I suppose. I didn't like the rules. I felt that it kept me boxed in. And when I actually, what I call, I did a, um, a releasing ceremony of me being bound to my Wicca circle and my Wiccan coven. And I found it more freeing to be able to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it and use my own energy and pull from different pantheons. And be wished and actually be boxed into doing only wicked type of 
spells and wicked type of rituals. Because not all of us connect to a deity. Not all of us want to call in the quarters. Right? Exactly. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I see it always fascinated me the difference because I always for a long time, I assumed that Wicca and Witch were the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I found out as I got more into the paranormal that it's obviously not the same thing. And any novice in either could tell you that. But no. All right. Well, let's what do you th- I like to ask this of all my guests that know witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Are there actually like dark or evil witches out there? I, well, like I said, I don't think there's white or dark magic, just as there is not any white or dark witch. And I'll tell you a little story about that in a little bit. But it's all about your intentions. It's all about are you centered? And it's all about have you done your shadow work? Because, and if you're coming from ego, if you haven't balanced those out, then yes, your magic is going to be darker, right? Then someone who knows their power, knows that sometimes they just have to walk away from the situation and know that not every fight is worth it. And to sometimes silence is probably the best thing to do. Um, because for people who have powerful abilities, and know that we can screw stuff up and screw up a person's life, you have to have restraint as a powerful witch because you have to know that you are responsible for your own karma and your own destiny. And as long as you know, like, oh, yeah, if I do this, I'm going to reap some of the karma and I'm okay with that. So my life in fold is going to be like shit for two years <laughs> because, you know, I did this to them. But, um, I don't think there is any white or dark magic. And there's no, for me, it's not any white or dark witch. For me, and I've got, it's funny because I got asked that because I used to do the, um, the um, metaphysical fairs all over the place, but mainly in Austin, right? <clears throat> and so I was um, been at the, metaphysical fair with the founder for about two or three years she knows me she's worked with me and stuff so um and there is a difference between witches and spiritualists in light and love witches kind of hate the light and love stuff because i hate that light and love stuff but and while while bell threw in their karma with prayer hands and that yeah, yeah I'm, I'm i'm a big believer in karma wild bell so i'm with you on that but uh-huh. And so she came up to me and she said, are you a good witch or are you a bad witch? And I was like, you know me forever. I said, it, it's situational. I can be good and I can be bad, but it depends on you and how you present yourself to me. So, you know, it's, I don't think it's other, it's that simple. I think it's very situational. You know, if you're good to me, then I'm going to do good magic to me, to you. But if you screw me over, you best believe the worst thing you can ever do is screw a, a powerful witch over because they will destroy you. I've had that actually, I've had to do that two or three times and I've been witching for a long time. I do other kind of spells, but for powerful ones who are actually destroy a person, I've only done that probably two or three times in my, in my career. It was justified for sure. And just out of curiosity here, 
are those spells that are bad, do they require like things like fiction would have us believe, such as blood or sacrifice of any kind? Really? Ooh. That's what Ooh. I said. Not a normal sacrifice, what you think. And this is what I tell people, because I love to take the myths and misconceptions about what witchcraft really is. Have you ever seen those those memes of like what people think I really do as a witch and what actually what I do? <laughs> yeah, I have. <laughs> yeah, and it's pretty much true. People think that we do kind of crazy stuff and we're just sitting at home, chilling, watching Netflix most of the time. But um, I mean, the, the the nights you're not dancing with a demon in the moonlight, but well, hey, you know, I, and it's interesting. <laughs> I'd rather work with a demon than an angel because we talked about how angels, you know, terrify me. But <clears throat> that's interesting. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm very different than anybody that I've ever really come across. My views are very different, even in the. I'm kind of an outcast even in the outcast circle because I believe in all this weird stuff. But um, so sacrifice comes in many forms. And the sacrifice that everybody thinks about is an animal sacrifice, of, you know, slit in the throat, blooding kind of thing or whatever, which blooding is a different thing. We'll talk about that. But when you do a sacrifice, you can sacrifice your time you can sacrifice the first perfect bread that comes out when you're giving that to you as an offering. You sacrifice money sometimes when you have to buy supplies. You sacrifice your energy to, to do this spell. It's not necessarily the old school sacrificing of a chicken, right? Even when if you're on a diet, you have to sacrifice, hey, I'm not eating Cheetos today. Or if you're cutting cigarettes out or coffee out. I'm not having any coffee today. It's a sacrifice and it comes in many different forms. But then that's why I say when you really want to hex someone, do you really want to sacrifice your time and your energy with this, this person? Is it worth the sacrifice that you have to do? Because exactly. it's, it's never a one and done spell. You always feeding that spell. And you're like, do you really want to have um, dominion over that spell and you want to be responsible for that spell for years and years and always have to feed it on the full moon or the dark moon? Do you really want that? So that kind of sacrifice. And um, it's not what you think it is. We don't do that stuff. Um, but bloodletting is different. <clears throat> and so bloodletting for me is just like poking your finger and it binds you to that spell. But you can also bloodlet your tools. So if you ever want any of your tools bound to you and your essence, then you just prick your finger with a little bit of blood and you just put dabs of blood on your um, altar or on your tools. And that centers it and that grounds it, anchors it, and it keeps you connected to those spiritual tools. All right. Well, there you go. And while Bill said... All have good and bad in them. It's just how it's directed. Correct. There is there is no one or the other. Yep. And, and, he, and he also added, lastly, sacrifice something that is given by you, which is basically what you said. Like it, it's sacrifice something that's given by you, and it's just, I mean, like for my kids, I sacrifice my time for my kids, and and money, right? 
Oh, don't get me down that wormhole. Oh. And money, yeah. Oh, the amount of money I spend. But it's a sacrifice. It is. It truly is. But let, let's get into this because we are getting, well, not not exactly at the end yet, but close to. Yeah. Um, so you, well, one, okay, well, first things first, because there's so many questions. But <laughs> so many. What, what is the course that turns people into a badass witch? It's a basic chick to badass witch, which is like a seven module course. So it's a self-study and that's on there. And then um, other stuff that probably would resonate with your audience in the podcast is my paranormal spiritual communication um, certification. And that's in that school too. That was one of my which, favorite ones. Which yes, I mean, Parapost Network is a huge lover of paranormal investigators. A lot of paranormal investigators have their own shows on this network. So mm -hmm. that will definitely resonate with them, of course. So if you want to become certified paranormal investigator, spiritualist, it's all in there. I mean, if, when I did it live, it was a six month course. So it's now condensed into six modules. And um, so we go over exorcisms, demonology, mediumship, um, paranormal tools, how to hold your paranormal first paranormal events so it takes you you know through all of that and um it's a phenomenal course it's one of my favorite courses i've created sounds interesting mm -hmm. it does and makes me wonder if any of the paranormal investigators i know ever took it but <laughs> they should even if you know it, it's a different take because it it Here's what I tell my students and when I do paranormal investigations and stuff, and I, I host them, and my paranormal investigations are a little bit different because it's also hands-on. I only have probably two or three, maybe four at the most, electronic tools. All of my other tools are divination tools like pendulums, tarot, tarot. Automatic writing is my favorite way to do spirit communication also. But all these paranormal investigations that I go on, they're all in the electronics. They're missing out. They're just like this, watching their meters. And they are completely missing out on what is happening around them. They're missing out on orbs. They're missing out on, you know, shadow people going in and out. They're missing out on just tapping into the energy of that space and feeling your body change as the spirits come in and out. So I like the tools as confirmation sometimes, but I really want to get these people into experiencing it through their body, through the event and what's happening around them and not so much relying on the, you know, the electronics that can go out at any time. So what happens if your battery's dead? And you don't have a battery, then your investigation is over. You're just gonna sit there in the dark, I suppose. All right. There's one when you were naming all the different tools you teach for that, there was one I that you said, and I I can't remember what it is now, but I never heard it before and I was very interested in it. Uh, mm -hmm. no, not not pendulum, it wasn't tarot. Automatic writing. Uh, yes, automatic writing. I I have never heard that term in my life, and I'm kind of curious what that is. That's almost, you have a piece, a piece of paper and you kind of trans out and you let the spirits come in and talk to you 
and you write down whatever comes through to you. So you're almost in a trance. Almost, and I talk about this too, is possession always negative, right? Um, and, I, and I also love Ouija boards and people are freaked out about Ouija boards. And I'm like, and I teach that in that class, how to properly use a Ouija board, right? You have to properly learn how to do it. But um, automatic writing is really interesting and it's fun to do. You get a lot of good stuff, especially when you combine it with other tools. So when I do my automatic writing, I kind of trance out and then it just flows. And my handwriting, you can see it changed from my normal handwriting to another person's handwriting. And you can get sentences, you can get just words, images, feelings, symbols. It doesn't necessarily have to be complete sentences. You can get all kinds of stuff. You can draw, get pictures. So that's another form of spirit communication through automatic writing. Um, all right, well, I'm, I'm glad I asked what that was then because that's interesting. And while while Bill says, well, a lot, a lot of things, but one thing while Bill mentioned is one must one remember there are consequences for things done. Every For every action, there is a reaction. That's 100% correct. Right. correct. According to him, the best electronic item is a recorder for EVP is the best proof you can get. Yes, that's a big paranormal investigation tool. He uses scrying. scrying. Oh, what kind of scrying? Crystal ball or um, mirror? Or and he said, "He said I have a portable black mirror that I carry with me when I go to locations." Ooh, yeah, we need to connect because I want to learn how to do more um, scrying. I do um, scrying mirror work. I have, but I've done most of mine through candle scrying, candle flame. Huh. I love scrying. And then what was it? What is that? called when they put you in a box it's, I call it a spiritual box and it's all black and you have a mirror here and a mirror in the back of you and two candles I forget the name of that I, I don't know the name of that I can't I say ever, I can't say I've ever heard of that oh but. my gosh see this is old school spiritualist stuff that I'm trying to bring back the oh, 1800 well, spiritualist well, I was gonna say I was, I was gonna say with the fox with the fox sisters yeah yeah I mean, as much as much as they were, as much as the two of them were disproven to be frauds later on, but yeah. but I still, I mean, there was a lot of real people during that time who, not uh, not Houdini, but the, actually, yeah, it was Houdini who was into it. Houdini I think, wasn't. yeah, and yeah, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle is the one who's disproving it, not Houdini, but yeah, obsidian, but, yeah, yeah. Wild Bell says he has an obsidian mirror. Obsidian is my favorite. Well. And if, if you watch the video for this, since I tagged you, if you watch the video for this, you can easily uh, see him comment and yeah. connect with connect with him. And he says, I am old school. Been doing this for yeah. over 40 years now. I was doing it what wasn't cool. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I'm, well, I'm going to tell my age. But um, I'm, oh my God, 52. So, yeah, we're the same age. Long time. Way before it was cool to be, to be a witch. And then yeah. way before the internet, and really, if you wanted to be a witch, it was so underground, and you had to go try to find a mentor, and you had to go to the library was the only thing we had at the time. And so if you were lucky, your library ordained priests. Cool and interesting. We need to talk about exorcisms then. Yes, yeah, send me a message. Then if you really wanted to be a witch, you had to go to the library in the dungeon in the basement 
and tried to find the three or four books that were on paganism. It was, you had to work for your knowledge back then. It was a year and a day study and tests. So they yep. did not make it easy like it is now. Well, let me ask you this, because I'd never met anybody who was, who would rather deal with demons and angels. So have you actually dealt with a demon in the past is my question. Yeah, and it's, I've worked with demons and I've had them, this is so bad that I, I've had them do some of my bidding as far as spell work, nothing negative. Because <clears throat> if you think of everything, and this is the kind of stuff that we talk about in the school and we talk about just in my, my you know, circle that I have every once a month. Um, if everything is yin and yang and everything has a good and bad, don't you think that demons have some good qualities and some bad qualities and the same thing as angels? And if yeah. you have an angel that is supposed to be attached to you, don't you think you should have a demon that's attached to you? Uh, it makes sense. And while Bill says I'm, that he's certified on the World Registry for Exorcism. Oh, yeah, we need to talk. I love exorcism. But here's the thing. Um... I have been shown what angels look like and they're the, the Hebrew type of angels, what they look like, not the modern day. So they're so not the, the six, the six wing type. Yes. They terrify me. Yeah. I always kind of wish they did cast the L on supernatural, like with the six wings. Exactly. So I always, I always kind of wish that. <laughs> But there are some tarot decks out there if anybody's into learning more about demons. And the King of Solomon, or the um, Keys of Solomon, I'm sorry, is another good one. And then this is what we do. We go beyond the basics of witchcraft and we look at other occult, esoteric type of systems that are not really well known. Keys of Solomon are interesting. I use that a lot when I do spell work for money and for business and clients. And... Um, so I forget his name, but he has a couple of tarot decks on occultism in demons. So very interesting. If you, Even if you don't work with them, if you're in the spiritual world, if you are a witch or a pagan or, you know, whatever, you have to know some of the stuff that we're talking about. It doesn't mean you have to work with them. See, you, you're kind of almost freaking me out right now because <laughs> there, there, there's something no, in my house. No, no, no. It, it's not you. Because there's something in my house. I originally thought it was the spirit of the man who lived here previously, who passed away. But as soon as you started talking about this stuff, it got cold as hell around me. Mm-hmm. So, like, oh, I gotta get, I gotta get Sunshine a Star, my uh, a previous guest in this podcast who lives close to me. I gotta get her to come to my house and get rid of whatever's in my house because it's just Do cleanse it, cleanse it, cleanse it. like. Where are you, don't, if you don't mind? Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Oh, God, you got so much. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Sunshine is from Salem, and she was born to call. She's a witch. She's a terror. She, she's everything. Like, there's literally nothing she can't claim some kind of knowledge in. Like, it's just kind of like you. She's she's just a master of every, a lot of different areas, and... I, she offered to come to my house and clean it, and I finally got the, I finally got them I finally got enough money to do it. So, yeah. I mean, and, 
it's a drive for her, so I understand her charging. Well, yeah, and people don't understand this also. When we do exorcism or cleansing or clearing, we are putting our energy and ourselves out there, right, to do all the heavy lifting and to be in a situation that, you know, may not spiritually be the best situation. Sometimes we come home with stuff, attachments that we got to work on for months to try to get rid of. And so you're really just paying for us to work energetically between this world and the spiritual world or the underworld, right? I love the underworld. We can always talk Ooh. about underworld goddesses too. Wild Bill, I like where your head's at. Oh, because oh, Wild Bill said, for those who are listening to podcast form, yeah. when speaking of Solomon, you must also speak of jinns. And jinns are... I mean, I don't think we could deal with them in America, at, at, often at least. I mean, they're more a uh, Middle Eastern uh, terror, but it's just, they exist. I have no doubt they exist. I've heard enough stories from the Middle East that, to know mm-hmm. that they exist and that they are a real threat almost because they are powerful. Like, they are powerful beings. And they be, and he, according to Wild Bill, he, in his journeys, he also studied the writings of Aleister Crowley. I love Aleister Crowley. It's person he is oh he's a horrible person but i mean the stuff he did and the stuff he unlocked is just incredible it is i mean who mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard to think of Aleister Crowley without thinking of american horror story but i mean still oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but you uh, know yeah. that's, that's when you have to separate the art from the artist or the magic from the magician right mm-hmm. because we still have to give him credit for bringing some of that stuff to the forefront um, even though he was a horrible person. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, the way he did it was not good at all. Like, Mm-mm. and the way he, he treated women, and you know, because who was that lady? I forget who was did his um did his tarot deck, and they never really gave her credit. Same thing with um, Pixie, and um, and, and while Bill says he has all three of his grimoires. <gasps> Or, th- or three of his grimoires, not all three, but I, there probably is more than that, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. I would love to get into more occult um, book collections. It, my 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 wife claims to have originally have a um, the Devil's Bible, the original version that yes. felt like it felt like human flesh on the cover rather than um, like yes. the not, not the Church Satan Bible like I had when I was a teenager because I was trying to be Marilyn Manson badass, but. <laughs> But like the actual, she, now. <laughs> like, like she claims she claimed to have the real thing. So, I mean, I wish she kept it. But correct. And while Bill says he knows of Christians that treat even worse, yeah, I do too. But that's oh yeah, Completely. that's that. You don't you don't have to be a Satanist to treat women badly. <laughs> no. And yeah, can you say Salem trials? I I agree. Wild Bill, Salem trials were horrible. Yeah. Um, if you want to know more about those people, I recommend um, unobscured. By Aaron Mankey, season one. He he does a deep dive into the sandwich trials, and it's freaking oof. The stuff he brings out is just brutal to hear. But all right, well, Mamsy, unfortunately, we are at end for this episode. <laughs> we can talk to you forever, man. <laughs> I I might I might have to have you back on, and we'll get more into the occult in the, on a sequel episode, maybe. But because the occult does fascinate me, and it's hard to find people willing to talk about it. That's the problem. But um, it's not scary. Knowledge is power. Everybody exactly, is. exactly. But where can people find you? 
where can they find everything you offer? Just promote yourself to the fullest. Um, I'm at madamz.com. And if you go to the website, it has links to probably everything, my school, my courses, tarot readings if you need one, if you're a spiritual business person. Um, I do spiritual business um, mentoring also. I do witch mentoring. I am on um, YouTube also. And Instagram, Facebook page, and I have a Facebook group also. So I'm all over the place, just like partially. Or should we say salt? (laughs) And like Wild Bill will conclude us off by saying, it's how you use the power and knowledge is the key. So, but I want to thank all my watchers for watching. I want to thank all my listeners that will listen to this for listening. And you, of course, know where you can find me. Listen to the outro if you need to hear it again for some reason or if you're new. And if you're starting on this episode, oh, go back. There's a good 130, uh, 150 episodes by this point for you to listen to. So I have a lot of episodes to edit. Yeah, I know. But until next time, listeners, I thank you all for being here. And Madam Z, I thank you. It's been a truly fascinating hour. I will get you back on at some point because I have to. I have to. There's so much more we could talk about. And maybe next episode we'll get into dogmen a little bit too. But but let's save that for next episode because I want to have content. So thank you all for watching and listening. And I'll be back, I think, Monday with the next paranormal interview. Actually, no, no, no. I will be back Saturday with Stop Thinking With Your Butt podcast to talk paranormal and They are huge into the paranormal, so we're going to have fun with that one. But see you all next time. You can find me on Facebook as Jeremy Bryant, or you can find me as Uncensored, Unapologetic, and Untamed UQ Podcast Collective Facebook group. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as at JuggaloBastard, or should I say X now? And you can find me on TikTok as at JuggaloBastardPodcast. You can also find me on YouTube as Paranormal New Normal. And you can also find me streaming on YouTube as Blind Knowledge Network, because all knowledge is blind until they admit Bigfoot exists.